video, you probably thought a little bit more strategic in the titles, right? Like, why didn't I name it mm, Big Butts? Or No More Butts? Or Everybody Has a Butt, right? Just thought that might be a little confusing to those who listen to the podcast and don't get to hear the opening video. What? What are they talking about? Well, let me just touch on a couple topics. Ooh, I've got an extra phone. Pastor Neil, is this yours? This isn't. It's Denny's. Somebody want to um, update his status? We'll leave it here. You want to take it to him? Oh, just in case. The video did make two extremely good points. That if your butt is bigger than your why then your butt is too big. Again, we're talking about excuses and not your behinds. If your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt is too big. And I like how he said, it's time. Today's time to shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. It just makes you want (gasps) to shrink the butts. And that's what this series is all about. We're going to talk about no more excuses. Come on. It's time to grow up. It's time to take ownership, take responsibility. It's time to shrink the butt. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at three big areas where we love to throw our big butts around. I'm going to get off that one now, okay? Throw our excuses around, our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's our biggest. And I really, if we could group all of life, I bet we could into these three rings. Either it's our time, it's our talent, or it's our treasure. And in these three rings, if we don't get these these, uh, situated in proper order, our whole life is out of balance. And instead of bringing out a whiteboard, I kind of tried to draw this at home on my computer, and I asked them to put up these um, slides Let me just show you that there's three things. Can you put up that first slide? There it is. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. And in the center of that is our heart. Everything else comes from there. But this is what we like to do. We like to kind of separate everything. You know, we got this in a pretty little box, that in a pretty little box, that and treasure in a pretty little box. But what does that do to our heart? It's a divided heart. But on the next slide, you'll see if we get this proper alignment down, on the next slide, you'll see. And the survey says, on the next slide, you'll see. Hit the button. Hit the button. You can't hit the button. You did hit the button. You didn't hit the button. And the survey says, on the next slide, you, maybe I should have went with the whiteboard, huh? Hey! When you put God in the center of your heart, then all of your other areas in life, see how they do that? They intersect with each other, and they'll flow from that. Instead of separating your heart, well, I want to do this. Well, I want to do that. Well, I've got to do this. You ever feel that pull in your life at times? Because your heart's not in proper alignment. And those circles, if you will, aren't balanced in your life because you have to first work on the heart. So, okay, thank you for that. You can take that down. That's an ugly little illustration. But I knew it would be better if, than if I tried to draw it right here. So the center of these three rings must be God. God must set on the throne of your heart for any of these other areas in your life to come into proper balance. So if you feel like sometimes your life's a roller coaster or that you're being pulled in all directions, and, well, if you're a mom and that's your kids, well, that's another story. But it's because of this. So it's got to start, or I'm sorry, is this it? They're okay. Oh, That's so sweet. Puke. Anyway, you must be challenged to, number one, let's get our heart right. 
and then we can talk about these other things. And so when I started doing some research and, okay, God, how do we get our heart right? How do, that really is cool to kind of do that. Anyway, when we get that right, it is linked, and I hate to say it. Boy, do I hate to say it. It's linked to our treasure. And I'm going to show you in the scripture in just a little bit. As a matter of fact, if you want to turn there, I'll meet you there in just a minute. Luke chapter 12. But over the next three weeks, we're going to look at these no more excuses. Number one being treasure, because we've got to get that one right, because that's where our heart is. And the challenge is that you get God your heart. It's not after your treasure. He's after your heart. Number one, that you give God your heart with your treasure. Number two, your time. You need to give God the priority in your life. The priority in your life. And number three, the talent. You need to give God glory through what he's given you. So we're going to look at those three things and why we need to stop making excuses. Get rid of the big butts. My challenge to you. What is that? <laughs> my challenge to you through this series is to go beyond. And, you know, I actually saw this picture in my mind. Again, maybe I should have had a whiteboard up here. It's like drawing a line and writing life in cursive and continuing the line. The line being our life. Above it would be what, you know, the Bible explains as being hot Christian or on fire Christian. Below that line being cold. And that line represents lukewarm. The status quo. See, most Christians think that that's okay as long as I maintain the status quo. Everything's all right. As long as I maintain the average. If, I, if I'm not too bad, if I don't want to be too good, but just maintain. But it, God actually says, you know what? Choose one, man. Either you're hot or you're cold. Because this lukewarm, this average line, this status quo, he says, makes me sick to my stomach. And if this is all you want to attain, I'll rather puke you out of my mouth. See, so to push beyond, I want to challenge you to push beyond. No more excuses. Stop trying to settle back down. And really, when we get into that argument where it feels like there's a little tension between I'm taking a step toward getting on fire for God and somebody comes face to face with me, and next thing you know, they're like trying to talk you out of being on fire for God. And when you look at them, you're like, wait a minute, aren't you a Christian? What, what do we do? It's kind of like that story I told you about, isn't that the lobster story? Where you put one in a bucket and he will climb out. You have to put a lid on that bucket. But you put more than, or is it the crabs? Is it crabs? Crabs. Oh yeah, it's the crabby ones. Put more than one crab in that bucket and they won't climb out of it. Because the minute one starts to climb up the side, the other one will pull them down. Why is it we do that? I want to challenge you today to stop making excuses. And start living beyond that average line, that status quo. God must be the center of your life. Nothing else. You see, otherwise you'll have that divided heart. God must be the center. Not your time, not your talent, and certainly not your treasure. Only God and no buts about it. Okay, I'm done with the buts, really. All right, so in order to put our lives in balance, we first need to start with the heart. So let's look at that. Treasure. Give God your heart. So you've already turned over to Luke chapter 12. Let me get there real fast myself. Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 22. 22. 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, or what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? 
Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. One trans, Most translations says, seek ye first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And I know this is a familiar scripture, but what I want to do is help pluck out a couple truths that I believe will make a difference. So let's, I'm going to talk about four, I hate to say it again, four big buts to your treasure. The reason why you won't trust God with your treasure, the reason why this is a hard topic for most of us, the four big buts is God just wants my money. Uh, I only have a little. Money has nothing to do with heaven, so stop talking about it. And if I give, I won't have. So let's tackle these four big excuses. Number one, God just wants my money. God just wants my money. Let's ponder that statement a minute. The God of all, the creator of the universe... The God of all, the creator of the universe, is kind of short on cash this week. So we're going to take up two offerings. He needs your money. God just wants my money. Everybody always talks about money. Money, 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 money. God does not want your treasure. He does not need your money. But the scripture just showed us in verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This was a tough one for me. I mean, actually, I, I was under the assumption for years and years and years as a Christian that um, it was the opposite of way around. That wherever my treasure is, then my heart will follow it. Well, if my money's over here, oh, my heart will follow it. And that's not what that scripture says at all. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You like that, don't you, Jacob? You like that little smile. You, you hide your heart in your treasure. You're the one that hides it. God says, I want your heart, but he's the maker of all. He's the creator of all. He knows all. Do you believe that or not? He says, guess where you've hidden your heart? He don't want your money, but he's standing out here. Hello? I need this right here. This is what I want. You know, so if there's a way for you to um, go to the surgeon there and have these two separated, that'd be wonderful. But I haven't found that happening. We, our human nature, does this. I, I mean, you've seen the cartoons. Come on. Mine, 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 mine. You see the little kid. They get old enough to talk. Do they say, I love you, Mommy, first? No, it's mine, 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 mine. That's their first words, really. When do they first start really crying? When you take something from them. Why? It's human nature. God says, I don't want your treasure, but I want your heart. So he's got to knock on this treasure and get you to... Boy, if I could get a man's wallet. I mean, you can almost hear that at some times. Like latches and, you know, locks and stuff. And he says, I don't, I don't want this. I don't need this. But you hide this in here. He wants your heart. You're the one that locks it away. 
Hebrews 11.4, I love this. The whole, the beginning, way back, Cain and Abel, remember? The first two brothers here. That opens up the book of the Bible there, you know, where they talk about bringing an offering to God. One brought an offering that was accepted. The other one brought an offering that wasn't accepted. And I don't have time to go into the whole, like Pastor Neil talked about, the first fruits and what was offered. See, one of them brought the first fruit. The other one, it says, in the course of time, he brought, eh, just brought some. Tossed it in the, I'm like, what do I have in my pockets today? Okay, here you go, God. Really? And Hebrews 11.4 talks about this Cain and Abel. And it says, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than his brother Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. Ooh. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's why Jesus could sit by the offering plate, watch all the rich men drop big bucks into the offering plate, but until he heard the ting-ting of the widow's might, a couple pennies hit that offering plate did he say that one did you see what that one gave there's a difference there's a difference when it comes from the heart when it's I trust you God with this so you can be trusted with this God whatever you want you can have it because I know you just want this there's a difference. God does not need your money, nor does he want your money. He wants what's in there. Where your treasure is, there is where your heart is. I wrote down here in my notes, either you will have a hold on money or money will have a hold on you. But as we were worshiping, God says, no, the proper way to say that is either you let God hold your money or your money is going to have a hold on you. If you can't trust God with this, he'll never get to this. So God doesn't want your money. Number two, the second big but to your treasure. I only have a little. I can't give anything. I'm on a, I'm on a salary. I, I, I got bills to pay. I... I and then by the, I don't even, I have just a little. Well, I want you to turn over with me. And this is, again, another story. I'm probably going to keep bringing that up. It's another story I know that you've seen a hundred times if you've been in the Word. In Matthew chapter 25, this story has been called a lot of different things. Um, one of them in the New International Version, at least in my Bible, it's titled as the Parable of Gold bags of the bags of gold and in Matthew chapter 25 Jesus shares this parable and for time's sake let me just help sum it up here and then we'll jump um, and read a couple scriptures together he's telling this story of this man who was getting ready to go on a trip and so he called in some of his servants and he entrusted to them three bags of gold well actually to the one he gave five to the other, he gave two, and then to the one servant, he gave one bag. And he entrusted to them, I'm going to keep saying that word so you can, it sinks in. He entrusted to them his money, to them. And he says, now I'm going away. Now, he didn't give instructions, now you're going to go do this with that money, you're going to go do this with that money, you're going to go do this with that money. Because the word entrust means to trust. He put his resources in their hands and said, now I'm going away, but I'll be back. And so if we look at this story together, here it is. He came back. He talked. He lined the three servants up before him, and he says, okay, number five here, tell me what you did with what? With my money that he entrusted to them. And the five says, well, you know what? I went and I made five more bags for you. I put it to work. Now, that's smart people. Stop working for your money and make your money work for you. And Really. And 
Actually, I had also written down for us to look at the scripture about the shrewd manager. If you want to research the story, the parable that Jesus talked, it's called about the shrewd manager. Shrewd means that he took opportunity. He was resourceful in his thinking. And when God entrusts resources to us, we need to be resourceful in our thinking. How can we make this money make money? Not just so we can step back on our morals, because just like these servants, when they stood before their master, it wasn't theirs to start with. He entrusted it to them. And now he's asking them, what did you do with my five bags? He goes, well, here it is. I made five more. <gasps> what does he say? Well done. You have been faithful for with a few things. Look in verse 21. Uh, so, that's what he, uh, so that's what he said to five. He looks at number two in verse 22. And he says, what did you do with the two bags? And he says, oh, look, I made two more. He said, oh, well done. Faithful servant. Both times for both men, he said, come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold, one little baby bag of gold, ain't got very much, just got a little. One bag of gold came, and listen, this is what he said. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what you gave me. Here it is. Here, here it is. Now, do you think at any time, it doesn't say how long that servant or how long that master was gone. Didn't doesn't tell us that in the story. But could you imagine if it was a month, back in those days, it took a little bit longer to travel, so that it was usually years. They started marking things by this. I'll come back when the moon is, you know, big and full again. Or it's been full three times, you know. It's like, okay, about three years, three months, three years, whatever. But in that time, do you think he made money? Do you think he worked? Do you think he spent things for himself? Bought things for himself, spent money on himself. Oh yeah, but what the what the master said? I was so afraid that I hid your money. And here is what belongs to you. Now I can't even my mind can't even process this because if that servant actually thought he was going to get rewarded for giving him back what he gave him in the first place. Why did he give it to him in the first place? Couldn't he have kept it himself? I'm sure his treasury had more security guards than a little dirt in the backyard. I, I just don't get that. How, how did he think that he was going to hear a well done, good and faithful servant? And you know he had to have been checking with the other two guys. Come on, only three guys. Out of all the servants, I'm sure the one with the five was bragging to the one with the three. I'm sure the one with the three was bragging, or two, two or three, whatever, anyway. Was bragging to the one that said, hey man, I've already made twice as much money. And the master's going to be so happy. If he was afraid, why wasn't he working harder then? He only had a little. He was afraid. What if I lose it? So what? Did you do something? He said it would have been better. He goes on to say the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I was so hard, if you knew I gather where I don't sow, if you knew that I harvest where I don't scatter seed, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers. Yeah, they had bankers back then. Anyway. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Come on. Something. And then he says, so take the bag of gold from the one with the little. 
and give it to the one who had five but made five more. What? And then he shares this statement. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then he said, now throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For whoever has. So I started digging it. What? What's the has? What does he have? Yeah, 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 we know money. What does he have? Well, the word entrusted. The master entrusted them. What did they do? They trusted the master. What did they have? They had trust in the master. That it's okay if I blow it up, if I try and I fail, I trust my master. He's going to know I tried. What did they have? They had trust in the master. A heart that trusts God. The servant said, you entrusted me with your treasure. They were faithful with what was given them. And the master replied, and I think we missed this too. He said, come, come and share your master's happiness. And I've heard pastors preach, that means when we enter heaven. Yes, but there's an and. Now, you can receive and live in abundance now. It's like that little piece of candy that says now and later. I, I did so, I had a... I googled that. I'm like, what does that mean? What was the candy maker thinking when they made that? You know, it, it's so applicable to this message now and later. We can enjoy the happiness now and later. And the taffy maker actually thought that. That you wouldn't sit there and eat that whole stick of candy in one bite. That you would enjoy some now and then have some later. I know what we want to do. I want to eat it all up now. Or there's the other half of us who wants to stick it away for a rainy day. We'll just enjoy it later. Even when our stomach is growling and we want some, we're not going to touch it. We'll enjoy it later. But God says, I want you to enjoy all of it now and later. My abundance doesn't run out. It isn't just marked for a time. Are you being faithful with what God has entrusted you? Whether it's five, it's two, or it's one. Are you being faithful with what God has entrusted you? So your excuse that you only have a little means nothing. Because he gives to some more and some little. He will only make you accountable for what he's given you. Not what he's given someone else. Or not what you don't have. Luke 16 verse 10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be honest, dishonest with much. So until you can prove faithful with a little, why would he give you more? Right? That's why when our kids are growing up, we don't open up the cookie jar and say, yeah, here's dessert. We give them what? Don't touch that cookie jar. We give them a cookie out of the cookie jar. Right? We help them. If you can be faithful with little, then we'll let you access the munch because then we'll know you'll use it wisely. Then when they get older because they've been trusted with a little and they say, can I have dessert, which they do every night. We can say, yeah, go to the cookie jar. And we know they won't sit there and shove their face in the cookie jar and eat the whole bunch of cookies. They'll have one. Or they'll, as my boys do, they take one. How many can we have? Well, how big's the cookie? It's not big, Mom. It's not big at all. Well, you can have two. Two's not very many either, Mom. No, two's plenty, buddy. And they'll put the lid back on. But if you can't be trusted with little, 
He's not going to give you more. So your excuse that I can't give because I only have a little, he's waiting for you to be faithful with the little before he'll give you the much. The scripture that I just started reading, the end of that in verse 13, it says, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other. You will be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a divided heart. If this is what you want, if this is what really matters to you, God will never be the center of this. Never. You can't have both. You can't love both. You can't say, mine, 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 and say, yes, but I'm a Christian and God has my heart. Liar. Because your heart's in here. If you've got a tight grip on this, God does not have a grip on this. So the third big but we want to look at for treasure. Third big excuse. Money has nothing to do with heaven. Stop talking about it. Verse 33 that we read earlier says, Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. I did read that, didn't I? Am I reading a scripture I haven't read? <laughs> yeah, I didn't go on. Okay, so in Luke 12, we read up to, but seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Picking up at verse 32, it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. First he said, seek first the kingdom. Then he goes on to say, he is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves, or man purses, for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near or no moth destroys, for where your treasure is. Oh, I read that. I did. Steve, I read that, didn't I? Oh, okay. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here where it says that <laughs> money has nothing to do with heaven, yeah. It's building a treasure in heaven. And there was an old song. It was actually called That's All the Lumber. Does anybody remember that song? I don't remember who sung it. Yeah, oh, Brian does. Yeah, okay. That's all the lumber. Stupid hillbilly Christian song, but it was, sorry. It was, I think it was a country song. I know my daughter's giving me the, oh, she's pointing at me. I almost said she was giving me the finger. That would be really bad. She's not giving me, she was pointing at me. The song goes, that's all the lumber you have. That's all the lumber, that's all the lumber. And it talks about the picture when this guy gets to heaven. The song goes, Said a friend to a friend one day was a man who passed away. St. Peter met him at the gate. Pete said, walk with me if you will. I'll take you to the house that you built. Man said, I can't wait. Passed a mansion made of stone. But with each new house he's shown, they get smaller by degrees. Stopped in front of a two-room shack. Pete said, hope you're happy with that. Man said, how can this be? Pete say, that's all the lumber, that's all the lumber, that's all the lumber you sent. Looks like the builder, man, he's got your number. That's all the lumber you sent. Man didn't know what to say. Poor guy was blown away. Said, you mean this is what I deserve? Pete said, I'm afraid it's so. It's too late, but now you know. Should have done better work. Said, you mean not lie and cheat and helping old ladies cross the street? He says, well, that's a start. Remember that man back in that great big house? He found out early what it's all about. Built that place with his heart. As for you, well, that's all the lumber. 
That's all the lumber. That's all the lumber you sent. Looks like the builder man, he's got your number because that's all the lumber you sent. What if that man was me and I failed that miserably? You're showing me things I don't want to see. St. Peter, if you can, send me back to earth again. Is that something you can do? Pete said, it ain't up to me. If it were, I would like to see how you plan to improve. Said, I'd love God and fellow man. Take a wife and make a stand. Be the givenest guy I can be. And when I get back to this neighborhood, there'd be a gigantic pile of wood. And I'd say, what's this I see? And you tell me, that's all the lumber. That's all the lumber. Yeah, baby, that's all the lumber I sent. Big boss will help you hammer it all together. That's all the lumber you sent. You can just hear the country twang in it, don't you? Maybe I could have wrapped it. It would have been a little better. No, I don't. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven. How can I build a treasure in heaven? It's with the money. It's with the treasure. And Jesus is encouraging us to invest in the kingdom. I think he might have an insider tip on this. The word says that he's in heaven right now building what? Place. I don't know. Maybe that song came straight from heaven. Country twang and all. Verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This goes hand in hand with the first point. Your treasure is the door to your heart. And if God wants your heart, wouldn't it be best to invest your treasure in his kingdom? That way, you'll be moving your treasure to his kingdom. Then you don't have to worry about a divided heart. It's already there. But if you want to sit over here and hold this nice and tight and just go, here's, just a, here's a little something for you over there. It's just not happening. It's not happening. So does money have... Anything to do with heaven? Dave touched on it last week. Money doesn't define ministry. It propels ministry. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. The whole world moves by what? Love. Yeah, no. No, it moves by money. You would not keep going to your job if they didn't give you a paycheck at the end of the week, right? It's propelled by money. I hate to say it, it's nasty evil. But when you're working just for this, then it will feel like a nasty evil. It's when you're working so God can keep this, that everything's in proper perspective. So ministry doesn't define, or money doesn't define ministry. It propels it. It builds the classrooms that teaches the next Billy Grahams. It provides the water, the heat, the electricity to the church that encourages the workers. You can do it. Keep going on. Preach more, teach more, heal more. Right? Buys the Bibles and gives them to the one that's searching for the answers. Purchases the food that feeds the hungry. No, money isn't ministry, but it takes money to minister. Hate to say it, but it does. But on the flip side of that coin, when you invest in the kingdom, there's a kingdom reward. So it's not just about you moving your money and hopefully it will do some good. No, you see both earthly rewards and eternal rewards come from that. I'm going to try to skip a few things. I'm running out of time here. Some of you are already yawning at me. When you invest in God's kingdom, you earn the reward of all that your investment accomplishes. And we were just talking about missions last week. That when you give in the missions offering. We take that money, we send it to the missionaries all over the world. That missionary now has the money to be able to get in the Speed the Light vehicle to take the BGMC Bibles, drive over to the little village where nobody else has ever been, and share the gospel, receive into the kingdom all these souls. And who gets the reward? 
everyone along the way that invested in that missionary. So when you get to heaven, not just in, let's talk about eternal rewards. When you get to heaven, you get to see all the lives that you touched. You get to see the big reward of these people coming in. But come on, have you ever sat in your seat and felt better giving than you do when you're receiving? Is the old uh, slogan actually true, it's better to give than to receive? Have you been on the receiving end and, and kind of felt less than? And thought, boy, it really does feel better to give <laughs> than it does to receive. And there's times we all need to receive. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, your blessing is both here, now, and later. Both now and later. So the fourth one, the final one, let's wrap it up. If I give, I won't have. That I, I have to believe that's probably one of the biggest. Amy, you can make your way up because I know it takes you a while. Amy's pregnant, and we know that, Amy. No, you really do more good for me, because when I know you're up here, I, I really try to hurry along. But if I give, I won't have. If I give to somebody, I won't have. Now, let's just be practical. Oh, I was actually going to bring money with me. I never carry cash, but I was actually going to have money with me. So if I have $4... You know what? I might have cash with me. You're all looking in your wallet. Get ready to take up the offering again, Brian. Oh, I do have cash. Jacob. Oh, no, never mind. I just have one bill. You have cash in there? She's throwing her whole wallet. I love this. I just want bills, though. Bills, baby. Oh, I can just keep this. Well, let's go ahead and go through that. Here, I'll give you back the empty one. I have three bills. I, I came with three bills. Well, I didn't really. It was her. You saw that. The illusion's gone, isn't it? Three bills. God says, trust me with the first. But if I, if I give what I have, I won't have anymore. And I really wish I was a sleight of hand type of person and could, but your imagination's got to kick in. The minute... See, you thought I was going to reach for the one, didn't you? I'm going to put this over here. I'm going to be a good servant. And God says, give this $10 to this person right here. And I say, oh, but if I give that to her, I won't have this. He says, no, trust me, give it to that person. Okay. So I finally let go of it. But when I count this out, All of a sudden, I just found another 10 in my wallet. Where did that 10 come from? You ever do, ladies, you ever do laundry and you're checking the pockets because kids leave things in their pockets, the husband leaves it, and you find money in your pocket and you're like, where did that come from? God said, you trust me with what I give you and you always get more. But if I can't trust you to give, why would he give you more? You're still holding on to these three until you let go and give it to God. Then he says, now I can give you more. And then, how did I find that $10? I found, I think it was my mother that found it, actually. We had went on a, was that our last vacation? I don't remember. It was what, give me back this time. in different places because, well, I, God was working on my heart. Anyway, I used to hide money in different places. And then I forget about it. And I mean, we were living, you know, penny to penny. You guys like saying paycheck to paycheck. It wasn't. It was penny to penny. We were like digging through our red couch that we found along the side of the road looking for more penny. But when we began to really trust God with the first pennies would pop up in the weirdest places and my mom says you know that book you lent me you know there's a hundred dollar bill in here what i don't ever remember having a hundred i had a hundred dollar bill she's like well you do now where does these things come from and i could go through and if i had time 
I could make each one of you stand up that you've told me testimonies. Like Kirk and Jody, they shared a testimony with me last night. It broken well. Where are we going to get the money? Just had a wedding. What are we going to do? And God provides an opportunity for them to not only pay for the well, but let's take care of some of those other bills. Other people, like Missy and Jody, when they first started stepping out and really trusting God with tithes and offering, Jody came to me and he goes, you know what, I, that, that pile of hay should have lasted two days, maybe three at the most for the animals, but it's been over a week already and it's not going down. How does that happen? How does that happen? When we did the tithe and offering challenge a few months ago, maybe longer than that, Linda stood up and said, I finally said, God, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to start believing that, you know, number one, you're first, you're first, you're first. She just had to buy a new car. Somebody paid off her car out of the blue. How does that happen? How do I, how do I come to church with one $10 bill and now I got two and a, and a dollar bill here? How does that happen? Okay, you know how that happens. Let me give that back before I forget. If I give, I won't have. Well, no, the real, the real truth is if you don't give, you won't get. That's the way you should look at it. If I don't give, I won't get. If he can't trust you with little, he's not going to give you more. And remember, if you remember nothing else from this message, your heart is where your treasure is. God doesn't want your treasure. He wants your heart. So when he comes knocking at your treasure, don't go through all the big butts of excuses of why I knew it is you. Well, money, money. It's always about money. It's always about money. He's like, dude. You know God talks about that. Right? I don't want your money. Could you just open this up, please? That's what I want. For time's sake, write it down. Search it out. 1 Kings 17, Elijah. God sends Elijah to this widow. And says, Elijah, I'm going to send you to this widow and she's going to provide food for you. Elijah's like, okay, Elijah's prophet, you know. He goes to this widow. He's sitting down. God, of course, orchestrates the widow, comes out of her house, gathering up sticks. And Elijah, that must be the widow. Hey, would you go get me a glass of water? She's like, okay. As she starts back to her house, he goes, oh, by the way, would you make me some bread? Bring me some bread. She's like, as surely as the Lord lives, man, I'm gathering some sticks. I've got a little bit of flour, a little bit of what? See, it was during a whole drought. There no rain. Everything's dried up. Everybody's starving. She goes, I'm going back. I'm going to bake some bread. Me and my son's going to eat and die. That's all I got. But he said, in Brenda Virgin, trust God. Come on. Go back. Do what you said you're going to do. What? Eat bread and die. But first, bake some bread for me. He said, break Bake me. Actually, he said, just a little. She went back in that house. Could you imagine what was going through her mind? What do you mean, bake some for me? What's that pastor mean? First fruits. Bring to God first fruits. What's that supposed to mean? I only have a little. I give to them. I won't have. This isn't what heaven's all about anyway. Thousand other excuses. But she stood on the word of the prophet and said, I'll trust because I've been entrusted. See, God's entrusted you with stuff. He's entrusted you with everything you say, whether it's a lot or a little. It's been entrusted to you. And have you been faithful with what he's entrusted to you? See, once she baked that bread first for the prophet and took it to him, his word was, now your flour will never run out and your oil will never run dry. If you give to God first. You know why? He needed a heart. Don't worry about the he said, don't worry about the rest. I can handle that. 
I'll give it to you when you need it. Not when you want it. Not when you think it would be a nice time to have it. But when he says you need it. But offer him the first. And let me close with 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he, who is the he? God. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that. Don't forget this. Because if you don't apply this so that, that other stuff's going to dry up. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, through your giving, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When you trust God with the first when you trust him with a little, when you give, he will keep giving back. And he does that so that you can be generous on all occasions. Why? So that it will result in thanksgiving back to him. I mean, what do people say? I remember our family went to dinner and it, the restaurant was empty. We actually went downstate. It was with my son Isaiah and his wife. And kids was with us. And out of the corner of my eye, I kept seeing this single lady sitting all by herself eating this meal up in the corner of the restaurant. And so we're talking. I'm trying to keep the baby quiet and stuff, standing there. And every once in a while, I'm peeking over there and watching her sitting by herself. It breaks my heart, you know, when people sit by themselves. So I'm walking, trying to keep the baby quiet and stuff. And I walked over to the waitress over by the cash register. And I said, I want you to put her bill on our bill and don't tell her who did it. So then I'm walking around. She's like, okay. And so I'm walking around, and all of a sudden, this our waiter comes over and pulls me. He goes, what am I supposed to say to her when I take this ticket to her that says zero? I said, tell her God loves her. Said, what? Said, tell her God loves her. And so I'm, you know, I'm trying to act, you know, nonchalant. We're talking in the family, and we're sitting in our corner of my eye. Because don't we always want to watch? I watched the waiter lean down and say something because he hands her the bill and I saw that she was kind of startled. He leans down, says something to her. He did it. And he goes, she goes, thank you, Jesus. It was less than 20 bucks for her meal. But our generosity resulted in thanksgiving to God. Not to a person. You got to be careful when you do that. Thanksgiving to God. So I knew God would provide for us. Did we have extra? No. Would I like extra? Yeah. But we always have enough. We're responsible. We're accountable for what God's entrusted to us. Are you being faithful? Can He have full access to this? whenever he wants it. He's got to go through this. So do this with me. Could you just stand up? I want us to just focus for a few minutes as we end this message. Ask yourself some questions. Search your heart. God, am I being faithful with the treasure you've given me? Whether it's a little treasure or a big treasure. Go ahead, close your eyes, ask God. God, am I being faithful with what you've given me? God, do I find it easier to create an excuse than I do to look for an opportunity?
I want to build treasure in heaven. This money is fleeting. It comes and goes. Lord, and we strive and we, we, we just, <laughs> we work so hard. And we keep trying to hoard it in and it does us no good. And you're sharing with us a simple principle that if we just would let go of it, if we would trust you to hold on to our money, God, our money wouldn't have a hold on us anymore. And then you would have full access to our heart. Speak to us right now, God. There's areas in our life where we're not trusting you. Speak to us. And while you're just thinking that, while you're talking alone with God right now, if there's somebody in here today that says, I have never given my heart to God in the first place. Or maybe you have at one time, maybe when you were young and you kind of wandered off and, and you've been living your own life, doing your own thing. Today's your day to give God back full access to your heart and your life. And it's by a simple invitation. See, you just need to talk to God like you'd talk to a person. Father God, here I am. God, I ask that you forgive me for doing life on my own, for trying to live life on my own. God, for trying to hide my heart in my treasure and locking it closed. Here I am, God. I unlock my heart heart to you right now you love me enough you sent your one and only son to die on the cross for me that I can be forgiven for every sin for every shortcoming for everything I've ever done or ever even will do God you can wipe it all clean and I ask that you do that forgive me today I trust you with my heart right now and my life Hide me, like the Bible says, under the shadow of your wing. I am yours, God, and I'll serve you today. From this day forward, the rest of my life, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. God, I give it to you. It's that simple. Now your name's written in what's called the book of life. Yes, you're still accountable for everything he's given you now. You are one of his faithful servants from this day forward. You're now one of his faithful servants. Now are you going to be faithful with what he's given you? It's up to you. Because there will be a day when he will come back and he will call you to an account. And you'll have to give an account for what he's given you. Whether it's a lot or a little. God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that you are a personable God. That you've given us the Holy Spirit as our teacher, as our guide to teach us and, and encourage us and to exhort us. Teach us. Teach us. How to walk faithfully for you, for your glory. To never make another excuse again for why you can't have access to our heart through our treasure. You are King. You are Lord. And you sit on the throne of our hearts today. I want you to make that declaration. Place Him. Whatever's been there before, move it off. Let Him sit on the throne of your heart. And I want to close the service like we have been every week. And I want to open up the altars. I want to call the altar team up. There's people in here that came in with sicknesses. There's people that have come in here with, in the middle of a situation, whether it's a family situation, a work situation, where you need an answer. I don't know what to do. This is your time. 
you made that commitment or that rededication to commit your life to God, you need to come up front. Let us pray for you. Because you need to make that your testimony. Tell other people your declaration today. So let's do this. I'm just going to turn the worship over to Amy while she sings. I want you to come up front. I want you to get prayed for. Whether you get stand in front of one of these altar workers, they'll pray for you. You get alone with God on your face, not cry, laugh, dance, whatever you want to do. Spend, spend time with God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. So just open these altars up right now. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Yes. 